Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. If you'll remember last week, we're diving into Beverly Hills lectures from Ernest Holmes. And you'll remember I posed the Ernest Holmes challenge to you last week. And so maybe we can talk about that a little bit after the the service today, how that's going for you. But basically the challenge was, can I stand firm in what it is I want to experience on the planet rather than listening to all the crazy voices from the, the news agencies and the advertising media and all of the different people and places that are pitching you a lot of hooey. And uh, you'll remember last week I described some of that hooey <laughs> as well as some of the, just the delightful and wonderful and loving and sweet and wholesome and perfect things going on in the world. And, and if you'll remember, the challenge is basically we get to choose here who's actually curating our own lives, who's picking the information that goes into our heads, and who's acting upon it accordingly. So we can either, if you will, go with the flow knowing that the flow right now is pretty darn negative, or we can stand on our own two feet and say, wait a minute, that's not the truth of my life. The truth of my life is love. It's not the reality for me. There is safety in my life. There is joy in my life, and so on and so forth. Well, we're going to amplify that today. We're going to step up a little bit. Uh, We're going to perhaps explain why that ability exists for us. And I think I want to start with a brief quote from this book. Uh, So this is Ernest Holmes uh, from the Beverly Hills Lecture. And I would also say, for those of you who have uh, picked up the book, you'll notice that lecture number two is a wonderful history of the New Thought movement in its entirety, including things from uh, Phineas Quimby and and other New Thought leaders. So if anyone also just wants a quick update on where what we believe comes from, lecture number two out of the book is perfect. Uh, But he starts by saying, the path to wholeness starts by saying that God is all there is. There is only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. And then he goes on to say, we must deny everything that appears to contradict that perfection, and we should affirm everything that is in alignment with it. Well, I want to suggest that, boy, in about two sentences, he's summed up the entire philosophy But he's also left us with a bit of a problem because most of us were trained from an early age not to think that all there is is God. Most of us were taught to believe that that there is us, humans down here on the planet, and, and somewhere in some celestial heaven, quite separate from us, is the power and presence of God. And I gotta tell you, we're not gonna get here from there, if you know what I mean. We're not really going to be able to embrace the love that's existing in the world, the life that's existing in the world, if we think that somehow it's out there, that somehow it's withheld from us, that somehow we have to beg for it or be good enough for it or, or to somehow compose our prayers in just the right and perfect way that they'll sail through the clouds and, and land upon hopefully God on a good day right? 
Isn't that so often the way that our relationship with the divine has been portrayed in the past? First of all, normally as a guy, right? And a busy guy. So somehow our prayers have to to get through. Well, that is so the opposite of what we believe. In those couple of sentences from Ernest Holmes, all there is is spirit, and that includes us. There is no separation. When God created the heavens and earth, that included us. There is no separation from what we are and what the divine is. When we talk about God's love, when we talk about God's life, when we talk about the happiness and the joy and the abundance that flows from spirit, it doesn't have to flow very far because we're right in the middle of it. Literally, God's consciousness is everywhere and our consciousness is part of it. So the thoughts that you're thinking right now are actually part of God's thoughts. The actions that you've taken in order to get here today are on behalf of spirit. They're not separate from it. Now, sometimes we don't think that the things we do and say and think are all that godly, right? Uh, But literally, we are part and parcel of the divine. So important to our philosophy because that means that we have access to love all the time. We have access to life all the time. We have access to wholeness and joy and peace all the time because God is everywhere. Now, last week we talked a little bit about how to seek that out, how to begin looking around some of the, the misery that we see on the planet as reported by the news agencies and others, how we can see around that a bit and claim what is good and whole for ourselves. And we're going to talk some more about that, more specifically about that today. But I think it's time for a story. And this supposedly is a true story, uh, although things coming from 1750, mm, you know, maybe this was embellished a bit. Uh, But it's about a saintly Japanese Zen monk uh, named Ryokan who lived from 1758 to 1831. He lived austerely and simply in a little hut below the mountain. One evening, it has been said that a thief visited the hut only to find basically that there was nothing to steal. So the thief went out into the night. The monk, Ryokan, caught up with him and said, You have come such a long way to visit me. You should not return empty-handed. Please take my clothes as a gift. Well, the bewildered thief took the clothes and kind of slunk away. Ryokan later sat naked, watching the glorious moon rising high above the tree line. Poor fellow, he mused. I wished I could give him this. And so the question for me, I think the question for all of us is, are we overlooking the obvious? Are we overlooking the beauty that exists in our life right now? Are we overlooking the love that exists, the potential for for sweet love itself, maybe it's right in our life now. 
Are we missing the point of the abundance that exists? Are we missing the point of the, the peace that exists? Are we, are we all built up in the quest for stuff and things and worldly success and the ability to do ever more? Are we caught up in, in what society teaches us is what we should be striving for and missing the point of existence itself? So Ernest Holmes goes on to talk about what he calls divine patterns of perfection. And I'll, I'll let you in on a little bit of a secret. Most of them are one-word patterns. A divine pattern of perfection is beauty, like the, the monk discovered simply by looking up at the moon. A divine pattern of perfection is as simple as harmony, getting along equitably and lovingly and with compassion with our neighbors. These are not complicated concepts. And they are available to us always in potential. In potential, the person sitting right next to you is love. In fact, I was noticing these gorgeous flowers today. The potential of beauty. You don't need to look any further than right here, right? So many of the things that we, that we think we want and we think that we'll achieve it by getting things and stuff and accolades and through the, the machinations of our, our worldly efforts don't really need to be gotten in that way. They already exist surrounding us. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think we have to give our clothes away in, in order to, uh, to approach the idea of beauty, right? I mean, this is 21st century America. I get it. We have bills to pay. We have jobs to go to. We have all the stuff and things that are important to us. And I don't think we have to give up any of that. But I will suggest that the constant questing for more stuff, we may lose sight of the things that are actually important. These actual templates, if you will, these actual patterns of perfection. I think most of us, too, if you think about it, gravitate to one or two of these key patterns. You can almost spot people who love being around other people and the idea of interaction is all about a community and love. And they're, they're drawn to that sense of harmony. They're drawn to that sense of love. And, and you can kind of tell that they're the love bugs in the world, that they're all about relationships and children and families, right? And so for them, that template of perfection probably based on love and harmony. You can tell other people are so in tune with the natural environment and with beauty and they're, they're gardeners or painters or, or exquisite musicians. And you can, you can just tell that that shining light, that temple of perfection, that, that glorious ideal is probably around beauty and harmony in the world, right? If I did a short interview with each one of you, I bet that we could come up with something very close to what your heart is yearning to explore more of. Whether it be beauty, whether it be abundance, whether it be joy, whether it be peace, whether it be wholeness, there is that 
infinite calling to you. And the reason it is a calling is that it's like a mold. It's like that representation waiting to be filled up in you. It might be a mold waiting for that ideal and beautiful relationship. It might be a mold just, just poised and out of your creation that, that is pure utility in the world. How you and your talents can be most best modeled in the world. Each of us has that idea without knowing it. Would you indulge me for a moment? I'd like you all, if you're willing, to close your eyes for a moment. Picture in your mind's eye, or, or maybe picture just a time in which you felt completely at ease and in sync with the world. Now, it could be as uh, close as yesterday or this morning, or it could be a time from years ago, but pick a time, pick a, a feeling base in your heart and in your mind where you really felt in tune with everything, completely safe, completely blessed, if you will, in harmony with the people and the places in your surroundings, a sense of being in the right place at the right time, a sense of no conflict or complaint, just resting easy in your own skin. And now I'd like you to enumerate some of the feelings that go with that. And here, here you'll begin discovering your pattern of perfection. What's going on? Are you out walking in beautiful nature? Are you noticing the abundance around you? Are you with friends and family and maybe feeling the, the closeness of love and connection? In your mind's eye, just begin ticking off some of the aspects of this time in your life. This, maybe this perfect day filled with connection or, or it might be solitude, right? Each of us might have a different perfect day. Just enumerate in your own mind, count off some of the qualities of it. Is it a perfect day of love? Is it a perfect day of feeling useful and wanted? Is it a perfect day of harmony with others? Is it a perfect day of abundance and sensing the dramatic lusciousness of the universe? Is it a day of beauty? Just begin thinking about some of those aspects of God itself, these patterns of perfection. Okay, you can, you can open your eyes. Depending upon what Ernest Holmes' book you read, sometimes he calls this a mental equivalent. Sometimes he'll call this a pattern of perfection. But what it is, really, you are enumerating a description of a container, a description of perhaps what a perfect day would be like, a, a description of what your life, in its highest and best, as you understand that to be, would be right now. And think of it as like a mold. Think of it as like a template. And when you do that, it shall be filled. Now this is the power of one of these mental equivalents. Because it is a blueprint, because it is a plan, it in essence is waiting for spirit to move in and fill it. And once you have completed this plan, once you have embellished it and really claimed it as your own, you will, without any effort on your part, 
Start seeing the pieces of it out in the world. If it's a plan about beauty, you would have noticed even before me how beautiful the flowers were today. If it was a plan about harmony, you would have noticed John and the band creating such luscious music today. And no one would have had to have that pointed out to you because it would be filling your divine plan, that, that creation of your own, that mental equivalent, it would literally be drawing to you the other elements that would create that life you desire. And I want to one-up this just a little bit. So, so far, we've been talking about a day that you've already had. I, I maybe tricked you into thinking, well, this is just as easy as remembering a day that I already had, a day that was lovely, a day that brought me peace and love and things like that. What about a day you haven't even experienced yet? What if we expanded our mold? What if we expanded that divine pattern of perfection into areas that maybe you have only dreamed of? Maybe a relationship that you haven't experienced yet, but would be so fulfilling, so loving, so non-judgmental, so life-affirming. So you see, when we build a mental equivalent, it doesn't just have to be something we've already experienced. That might be a leaping off point. But you can develop a mental equivalent of you in some measure of success that you've never experienced before, in some measure of connection with other people in places that you've, you've never had. You can create a mental equivalent as large and profound as your own imagination, and it will work just as well. As you internalize it in your heart, as you believe that it is true for you, as you hold that template like truly like the mold it is waiting to be filled, spirit will go about its work in filling it you will begin seeing yourself as successful or as loving. You will begin filling that mold up with your own thoughts and beliefs and intentions, and there will be no stopping it. It almost becomes effortless. When you have a true mental equivalent that, that has been accepted into your heart and mind, it's not like you have to wake up every morning and say, well, today, today I'm going to work on love. Today I need to find three people that will meet my love quota, and, and hopefully they'll look like this and be like that. No, it's, it's effortless. You get on the bus, and there is love. You look out at the moon at night and there is beauty just like the story of the monk. And it doesn't matter if you just gave away your last shirt, right? Because the beauty is so powerful. Because your dream of whatever it is, is so complete. Now, I do want to suggest that because we live in the 21st century, this isn't about, first of all, undoing everything that you've already done in your life. So, so the fact that you're seeking a blissful relationship doesn't mean you have to disown your children to, to start with. Uh, uh, the fact that you're imagining a, a fabulous new career doesn't mean you have to quit the job you have now, right? Because it's not necessary, when you have that, that dream in your heart, when you have that mental equivalent of what you want to experience, things will tend to take care of themselves. 
if relationships are no longer needed, they start fading into the background. There doesn't have to be some dramatic breakup. There doesn't need to be some job that you get fired from in order to to have that change occur in your life if you want a, a more powerful way of being in the world. Simply holding that image, that thought, that set of characteristics, that mental equivalent of the way your life will be and really sensing it in your heart as something that you already have, that is all that's necessary. Believe it or not, the rest will take care of itself. Now, if you're unsure, I've heard it said that some people go, well, I really can't imagine my life too much different than it is now. That can be considered a bit of a handicap in this process. And so if that's true for you, if you're having trouble imagining some new way of life, then stick to the basics. Ask yourself, what would love be like? What would joy be like? Ask yourself the most basic questions because those patterns of perfection exist for everybody. Truly, God is love. God is peace. God is joy. And there's no need to embellish it. Those would be completely sufficient. Believe me, those would fill a lifetime. So if you're unsure what your specific version of love would look like, if you're unsure of what utility or peace or abundance specifically would look like for you, uh, don't be dismayed. Start with those big containers Only add the embellishments as you feel called to. Love is available for everyone. Peace is there for everyone. Joy and happiness. It's the reason God exists as us. So I'm going to circle way back around now. Why does all of this work? Because God wants to experience it through us. Think about this for a minute. If you ever find yourself asking a, a question like, well, who am I to want a better life? Or, or who am I to deserve true love? Don't you think God does? Yeah, see, here's the rub. This is the error in a lot of our thinking. We think that we're separate from God and that somehow our special needs are going to be ignored by a creator that's way out there and kind of busy creating, I don't know, star systems or something. And the reality is God is also right here acting as you. Why would we deny God another expression of the good life? Why would we deny God the ability through us to feel love, to feel joy, to feel peace, to feel abundance. And so next time you're maybe feeling kind of small, I suggest you just chuck that out the window because you are as big as the galaxies itself. There is in you the stuff of stars. There is in you God, a part of God, made manifest. If God is everything, then you are that. Well, I'm going to close today with uh, another reading out of the book and a quick prayer. This is how he summarizes chapter two. Uh, He says, we start with the idea that humanity is spirit in form. We are perfect. There is one life. That life is God. That life is perfect. 
Now we must detach every thought that contradicts this. You don't treat the effect, you must treat the cause until there arises in your own mind a conclusion which is more harmonious, happier, and more spiritual and unified than any concept which was produced prior. This is the theory of spiritual healing. We're trying to clear the track with the purposive concept that there has to be a self-existent reality at the center of everything. Everything that is good has a pattern. All patterns are generally universal and they can be individualized and made real for us. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, and one goodness, and I'm part of it. Literally, God works through me and as me as it works through everyone on this planet. God's joy is my joy. God's love is my love. God's uh, abundance is my abundance. The peace and joy and health and happiness of God is mine as an option. Why don't I choose that option? Today I stand up for the truth of myself and I say, yes, I choose love. I choose joy. I choose to see the beauty around me. I choose to see the effortlessness of life. I choose harmony. I choose peace. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person on this planet, each person in the universe can choose the good life, can uh, dwell in those divine patterns of perfection, can see love, can simply see the joy of life itself, can choose these things over the mixed messages that we get from the media and from advertising, uh, what our neighbors are complaining about and, and what we see as uh, inequity in the world. We acknowledge them, yes, but they do not define us. We choose the goodness of life. And for this, I give great thanks. I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, yes. and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.